Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever and whenever you are in the world, you're listening to the Scottish Fields Podcast, episode 37, released on Wednesday, February the 23rd, 2022. My name's Kenny Smith and I'm the web editor of Scottish Field and over the next half hour or so, we'll be bringing you another exclusive interview, this time with a Scots actress who's in the running for a major award. Every month, Scottish Field brings you the best of all things Scottish. Heritage, interiors, antiques, gardens, wildlife, motoring, whisky and country news, as well as interviews with famous Scots names. The Best of Scotland is at the heart of our March 2022 edition, which is still in shops, though we just finished next month's edition yesterday evening. In the March edition, we meet Gordon Ramsay as the straight-talking multi-Michelin-starred celebrity chef and TV star talks about his new restaurant and why he always loves coming home to Scotland. JJ Fenton is a Royal Marine turned photography aficionado and he shares some stunning snaps of Scotland, including the charming Highland Goo that graces our cover. We also meet Naomi Ray, the talented landscape artist who waxes lyrical about island life and rejoices in her ability to finally put down roots on the Isle of Arran. In our other features, we learn about Dunkeld-born nobleman William Drummond Stewart, who found an abundance of adventure in the Rockies. We look at the stories of inspirational Scots who have seen an epic challenge and jumped in headfirst. Borders-based artist Michelle de Bruin has crafted a beautiful abode for Marchmont House's nocturnal visitors in the Borders, while intrepid explorer and castaway TV star Mike Laird shares his credo and tells us of his epic adventures in 97 countries. In Homes and Gardens, Humbie Dean Garden in East Lothian is a cacophony of colour in which the daffodils take centre stage while an old farmhouse near Selkirk needed an upgrade and its owners tackled every single challenge head-on. In wildlife, tree gossip and mother nature secrets are waiting to be revealed in the very air that we breathe. And in field sports, Ross Ewing asks why deer stalking isn't more openly available to qualified stalkers in national forest estates. Our motoring column notes that despite its mundane exterior, New Linden finds the Suzuki across a charming technical masterpiece, and in food, the mystery diner is delighted to have his preconceptions of Ayrshire's The Canny Crow challenged. In our regular columns, the fictional world is a dreamland for Alexander McCall Smith, Guy Grieve pauses for thought at an historic site where the bard himself once drank in the views, Fiona Armstrong partakes in a dreary pheasant shoot but hasn't realised the shooting party's strict umbrella etiquette, Michael Wigan discusses two of the most hotly debated topics in angling, salmon farming and hatcheries, while sensory tasting experiences are on the rise and our whisky expert Blair Bowman is among the first to explore the growing trend. So you can find all this and much, much more in the latest Scottish Field priced £4.75. To find out more about how to subscribe, just visit www.scottishfield.co.uk forward slash subscriptions. Now... Three Scots were given some good news recently, as the Audio Publishers Association's finalists for the 2022 Audie Awards programme was recently revealed. This celebrates the best titles in audio publishing and spoken word entertainment, honouring a varied group of actors, musicians and politicians, ahead of the Audie Awards Gala on March the 4th in the USA. 
Industry professionals will determine the winners across 25 categories, and nominees include Barack Obama and Oprah Winfrey. In the History Biography section, Clanlands, Whiskey, Warfare and a Scottish Adventure Like No Other has been shortlisted. It was written and narrated by Outlander stars Sam Hewen and Graham McTavish, with a foreword written and narrated by Diana Gabaldon, who created the original Outlander books, and it's a strong contender for a prize. Also in the running is Scots actress Tracy Wiles, who grew up on the island of Isla, and she's been nominated in the autobiography memoir section. Fits and Starts, a memoir of living with epilepsy, was written by Francisca Thomas and is narrated by Tracy and Francisca herself, and it's been published by Almost Tangible. But before we meet Tracy, let's hear a clip from the book, courtesy of Almost Tangible. Chapter One, The Never Ending. I understand this doesn't look good. Please trust me when I say it isn't as bad as it first appears. I'm not being ironical, facetious or glib. Physical pain is inevitable when you have a tendency to throw yourself around. Suffering is optional. Today, despite my regular fits, I can say without sarcasm, I am one of the lucky ones. I wasn't diagnosed with Parkinson's, cancer or Alzheimer's. Epilepsy is not a degenerative disease. My condition isn't curable, but it is tolerable. I won't pretend there are not days when I feel I am falling apart, but everyone has days like that. I'm not naive. I'm not in denial. I am aware of my physical shortcomings and my deteriorating memory, but I have much to be grateful for. Horror stories of what people with disabilities, including epilepsy, were subjected to until the 1970s are plentiful. In America, scientists regularly conducted research on disabled patients without their consent. At one particular hospital, several studies involved taking X-ray images of the brains of epileptic children residing in the institution. Researchers drilled holes into the skulls of these young patients drained the fluid surrounding their brains, and then pumped air or helium into the skull in place of the fluid to allow clear x-rays of the brain to be taken. This technique produced horrendous side effects, including severe headaches, dizziness, seizures and vomiting. Side effects which could last for two to three months, until the body naturally refilled the skull with fluid. In the worst cases, the technique caused permanent brain damage and paralysis. In another study, metal probes were inserted into the patient's brains. Prior to Victorian times, the asylums provided long-term residential care for a wide mixture of people, including people with severe mental health problems, dementias such as those resulting from tertiary syphilis, learning disabilities, epilepsy and moral defectiveness, e.g. having an illegitimate child out of wedlock. People were locked into these asylums as youngsters, and few were ever let out. Epilepsy is not a form of spiritual possession or a supernatural visitation. An exorcism will not cure me, and no, I cannot communicate with your late Auntie Vera. On the practical side, it is impossible for anyone to swallow their tongue during a seizure. So put the wooden spoon back in the drawer. You're only going to hurt yourself. And me. 
epilepsy is not contagious in any way. And despite what you may have read, only 3% of epileptics are affected by lights. There are over 40 different seizures. Convulsions like mine are not the most common kind, but they are the most notorious and visually shocking. In the UK today, one out of every 103 people, 600,000 in total, has epilepsy. It is three times more common than multiple sclerosis and more than three times as common as Parkinson's disease and cerebral palsy. One person in 50 will develop epilepsy at some time in their life and one in 20 will have a single epileptic seizure with 87 new cases diagnosed every day. Despite these staggering figures, few know what to do during a fit and the stigma attached to the condition continues to alienate hundreds of thousands across the globe. I'm writing this because I can, because time really does heal all, and because I need to start being honest. I have epilepsy. I'm never going to get better, but I will get worse and then improve. There will be moments of suffocation, recovery, elation, frustration followed by a return to half-normality before the process starts all over again. I will be high and I will be low, but whoever I am, wherever I go, my life will be measured from the floor up. So, let's meet Tracy, who chats about her work on fits and starts, growing up on a Scottish isle, as the daughter of a gamekeeper, no less, and more recently, her work on the soon-to-finish Obi City. And Tracy Wells, I'm the co-narrator of Francisca Thomas's memoir, which is called Fits and Starts, A Memoir of Living with Epilepsy. Tracy, welcome to the Scottish Field podcast. It's a joy to have you on. Thank you. <laughs> so how did you first get involved with this as a co-narrator? As it's obviously as an actress, you've done a lot of jobs, but this one is a little bit special. Um, yes, um, well, uh, I had worked with Charlotte Moline and um, Carl Prekop, who, um, well, Charlotte Moline kind of founded Almost Tangible, which is this very um, cool audio. I'll probably get this all wrong and they'll be shouting, why did you call it that? But it's like an immersive audio production company. And, And we had done a couple of years before, which you'll be interested in, I think. We'd done an on site over a period of a week, although I was Lady Macduff, so I was obviously no spoilers, but you know what happened. So I wasn't on for the full week, but we've done this incredible production at Glam's Castle of Macbeth and, it, and, and it's been a huge success and all the schools use it and it's stunning. I mean, just a plug, plug for that now. It's a stunning, stunning production. So I'd done that a couple of years before and I'd known Carl and Charlotte for a while and um, Carl directed that, Carl Prekop. And so I got a call last summer or a text or a WhatsApp or something like that in the middle of a lockdown possibly saying, we're doing this book it's about this lady, Francisca, who has epilepsy. We thought of you. And I thought, oh, is she Scottish? That's my first thought. And they said, no, but look, here's a bit of text. And um, uh, this is a bit about Francisca. Would, would you read it and just see, you know, we can have a listen to it. Would you audition, essentially? <laughs> so of course I did, I recorded it, sent it off. And then I think maybe a couple of weeks or longer, I, I got a thing that saying, look, we'd love you to re- read the book. And I thought, great. <laughs> so then I think we set up a Zoom call with Francisca and um, I'd read a lot of the book by the point that point. And there's a lot of 
medical things in it, obviously, because a lot of drugs and stuff. And so we had a chat about all of that. And, you know, obviously we could only, I could only skim the surface of everything that Franziska has encountered with living with epilepsy since 1992. But it was, it was, it was enough for me to get a sense of her character. I'm not playing her in the book, but it wasn't going to be just a cold clinical read. I had to try and get an essence of, of her. Do you know what I mean? Yes. But I think the fact that they cast me as Scottish and Francis Francisca isn't, that was quite good because Francisca reads her own stuff where she goes through her own pieces in the book when when like when she's having a fit, she goes through this stream of consciousness. So it'll go from my voice into her voice. I'll talk a bit more about the technical aspect. Basically they asked me to audition and I did. That was it. <laughs> Yeah, oh, it's fascinating. It's fascinating just how how these things come about. I mean, is yeah, is epilepsy a condition you knew much about beforehand? Nope. I'll tell you the one experience I had of epilepsy. I remember being in school and I was brought up on Isla. And I went to a little tiny primary school. There was like, I think, four of us in our class. But at one point we were all having lunch. And I remember the girl next to me had a, had a gosh, you know, I wonder if I should say, because I won't say who it is, obviously, but a lady, a girl in the class had a fit next to me. And, um, that was the first time I, you know, I didn't really know what was happening. And I don't really remember much apart from suddenly she was on the floor. And then I later discovered that's what it was. But apart from that, no, I don't know anybody, I believe, with epilepsy. And I've never witnessed anybody have a fit. And I didn't know anything about it. And obviously I've learned an awful lot now having um, narrated Francisca's very funny, frank. And I have to say it is funny, which... I think a lot of people be, might be surprised that she's a very witty lady and um, the book is incredibly engaging as well as very obviously educational about the condition so yeah yeah imagine there'd be quite a lot of big technical terms and things to get your tongue around as well and getting the correct pronunciations yeah. of those yeah so when you get a book to prepare you obviously go through it all and you make notes and usually things like pronunciations of places or people's names or things like that but in in Francisca's book there was all that but there was also all the like medication and you know maybe uh, medical I don't know procedures or whatever there was a lot of medical things so I would then just list them all and then whatsapp an entire list for Fran to, she would have to then come back to me with all of that and then I would read it all back again to her to make sure that I was, you know, not just the, it's about which syllable is you emphasize, that type of thing, da 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 or da 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 da, or, do you know what I mean? Because it's important that you get it right. Not everybody will know about it, but a lot of people will. A lot of people maybe who who maybe um, are with someone with epilepsy or who have epilepsy, have an interest, so they will know. <laughs> What is she saying that for? That's wrong. <laughs> you don't want to be wrong. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Definitely not. And I suppose that part of it, you have got to know her, not just through reading the books, but in person as well. I mean, we haven't, we, we had one, but obviously we, we did all this through the, the time that we're in. I think we did it last summer. So we've met up, uh, gosh, let me think, was it just the once? We've met up in person. My memory is appalling and that's in general, uh, which is great for radio because I never need to learn. <laughs> Just read off the script. Um, but we have met, yes, and obviously Zoom, thank goodness for it. We were able to, you know, get together. And obviously when we heard about the, uh, which I know you'll touch on, <laughs> the Audi nomination, we've, you know, touched base on, yeah, we, we have met and it's it's lovely. And I had to, you know, you had to feel to get an, an idea of the person who's you've got a great responsibility when you're 
you know, when you're narrating somebody's story, you know, you do somebody's autobiography or whatever. So yeah, but hopefully we're going to meet up again. We we, we would love to um, do the, you know, you know, I think it's going out around 2 a.m. the uh, award right, ceremony. Yep. Sorry, the audio that we've been nominated for. <laughs> um, uh, I'm off in Scotland, I think, when that goes out. But um, it, it would be so nice if we were able to all be online at 2 a.m. when when it, when it gets nominated. Because even just being nominated is exciting, isn't it? It's great. Yeah, I suppose <laughs> since you've mentioned the Audi nomination, because <laughs> I believe you have been nominated for an Audi, not that you've mentioned it. But uh, how did you first hear about that? And it must have been oh. an incredible feeling, particularly given the opposition you're up against. I know, it's mad, isn't it? I think there's five of us in our category, which is a memoir, I think it is, memoir and something. Uh, yeah, um, no, it was Charlotte Maline again. Just I had a WhatsApp, I think just before it was announced, saying just to give you warning that this, you know, because obviously they would let almost tangible the company know ahead of time. So no, it was I think the same day. I, I couldn't believe it. I had to go and look up the audience. I know that's terrible. <laughs> but I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. That's kind of nice. <laughs> and the other people, there's four other people. Oh gosh, I'm not remember everybody now, but like Jamie Foxx's biography and then Ron Howard with his family. And then there's another lovely person who's reached out on socials. Listen Mama by M. P. Williams, I think they've been lovely and reached out to us and everything. And then Ashley C. Ford, so a memoir, somebody's daughter. Yeah, there's five of us. It's very cool. I would show you, but I'm not on audio. I'm not on video because I've just washed my hair. But um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, there's five in each section. So it's nice, you know. It's cool. Yeah, <laughs> and it's it must also be really rewarding thinking that well, it has been a very difficult time for people in the acting industry over the past couple of years that you've been able to A, carry on working like that, and then something that you've done is getting a hell of a lot of international recognition. Yeah, I mean, I think that certainly all of us in the audio industry and um, as you know, you know, Big Finish, people like that, we've all been able to carry on working because many actors and, and other creatives have set up a recording equipment at home and we've realized that it's not perfect. You know, I, I have to say that much of the time that I was narrating um, the book also involved me running outside my so-called, in inverted commas, booth and shouting at birds. I mean, a lot of it was me shouting at birds because there would be birds that would just literally hang outside in the garden, tweeting and tweeting and tweeting. And if not that, there would be builders. Or And I did go out, not shout at builders, but I had discussions with builders about when they were having their lunch or when they were finishing. and. You know, five days of recording, there was a lot of that. And this, there is quite a lot of outtakes of me swearing at birds and things. But, um, however, we still are able to do it. Whereas if you went back a few years ago, I, you know, I would have been, oh, I need to get into Soho. I need to, everything's changed now. You know, we realise that, you know, we're not we're not perfect sound, but we're good enough. I mean, I do wonder if um, yeah, any of those other people <laughs> were, were swaddled in a duvet shouting at birds. Probably were. I'm sure they were. So it's nice that we've all battled through it. But yeah, so a lot of people have managed to work and I'm very grateful for it. I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about one of the special things I think about Almost Tangible and, and this book in particular, because this is, you know, there's so many people involved um, than me, is that I don't know if you've heard of any, any of it, but there's like, um, it's binaural sound and um, don't ask me to explain it, but it's a very special thing um, and it's immersive. And they, they've intertwined my words with music, original music, 
there's a song that uh, Stephanie McGarry's written and Stephanie did most of the editing, most of the editing of me, not even clapping when I made a mistake, literally just, just swearing and just <laughs> all unedited. Hours and hours of me running out the door shouting at birds, nothing edited. And then she's written a song for it. And then Carl Precott has been like overseeing it as director and Charlotte producing and Rebecca Lachance being all Lachance, Lachance, I mean, should have got her name correct there. All these people have come together to produce a very much ensemble piece. Do you know what I mean? And then Fran herself beautifully doing these incredible passages which have almost no punctuation of describing what it's like when she's having a fit, her, her memory of that. Uh, and they are extraordinary. They, they remind me of like Samuel Beckett. I don't know if you've read Samuel Beckett, like Not I, that stream of continual chat that seems to have no end, no beginning, no end. It's like, and it's so kind of, it really is immersive. You, it, It'll go from me suddenly it, into her, into Fran, and her voice is so distinctive from mine but it's very hypnotic and very powerful. But the way that they've done it and the amount of time that they spent on it and, and putting it all together, it's a real labor of love, it really is. And I'm dead proud of the, the very much ensemble to tell Fran's story, do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Now you mentioned, <laughs> yeah, it's great. I think binaural sounds great. I think they used it in BBC a few years ago. I think they did an episode of Doctor Who with Peter Capaldi and binaural ah, sound. So, really? uh, oh, you would know about it. Me telling you and you, I'm teaching you to suck eggs. You know about binaural sound. That's great. Well, great. I just, yeah. I just I, well, I know about it from my my love of radio drama and such likes as well. So, yeah, but no, it's fab. It's a very, I say, immersive is definitely the word for it. It's it makes it just it's almost like IMAX with sound. That's probably a good way to describe it for those who don't know. Yes, that's a beautiful way to describe it. Exactly. Fantastic. Polaroid. Yeah, there's some trailers. So if anybody's interested, you can go on to Almost Tangible. It's a big sale, but I feel like I need to do this. Go on to Almost Tangible website and um, there's trailers and things. You can hear some of the beautiful music and some of Fran's words. And yeah, it's very evocative and um, yeah, very important, I think, for people to understand about, about epilepsy. Yeah, Definitely. Now, you mentioned medical stuff there and big words and having to learn things. You've been working on... Holby City more recently as well. That must have been great fun to work in something that's a British institution, but sadly coming to an end. Yeah, it, it is sad that it's coming to an end. I do think it's quality TV and it's in London. So when you get the job, it's nice to have a wee trip out to Elstree because it is so full of, um, do you know what I mean, history and like I'm a bit of an old film buff too. So it's always a real treat to go out there. And yeah, it was lovely to, I, I'm a lovely little cameo. I'm the sister of a regular character in it and um, a semi-red character. And uh, it was lovely to go and see them. But as I said to you earlier, it was very emotional because one of the days I was there was a the second last day and you could see people People doing scenes and then saying that's my last scene on, you know, in, in the kind of that area, the kind of medical area, or that's one of my last scenes that will go out. Like there were some of the scenes were out of order, but she's that was like my last scene that will go out. And it was it was a big deal because they're like a, like a lot of productions are when you're doing a long running series, it becomes like a family, you know. But I was thrilled to do it. Yeah, it was was lovely. Really nice. Yeah. yeah. No big You're... medical word, though. So. Oh, thank goodness for that. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Just a bit of crying and stuff. <laughs> so what else is keeping you busy at the moment? Well, what's keeping me busy at the minute? I'm trying to get a Manchester accent today for a job that's just come in, so that'll be fun. You always say, they go, can you do it? And you go, oh, yes, I'll be able to do that. Absolutely. And then you panic. And then I'm going to next week to, I don't think I'm allowed to say, but I'm filming on a telly up in Skegness. 
which um i know because that's lincolnshire that's where i was born so that'll be nice um and what else uh yeah no just the usual of constantly auditioning for things and self-taping just in my flat talking to myself that's my life mm-hmm. so <laughs> yeah does work bring right. you back it's home fun. quite often no not really oh i did a lovely short film last year which is just about to come out i think called cara with a, a really wonderful actress in fact she's going to help me with my manchester accent uh, uh, Leah Bamforth, fantastic. She's just graduated. Let me get her in a big finish. She's a really good Scotch actress, stunning. And um, so I did that up in, and that was amazing. That was up in Paisley, filmed in Paisley. So as soon as I saw the audition, I was like, I've got to get this because it meant not only was it lovely to film there, but I could go and see my aunties. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So yep. you always want to try and get work because then you can see everybody that you love that you grew up with, you know. You're a girl from Ireland. Could you maybe explain a wee bit about your background? Because you were born south of the border, but were brought up here. You've got oh, quite a gosh. fascinating don't story. Don't tell everybody I'm not I'm not a real Scot because you know that's a, a fake Scot. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, well, I think I said to you when we spoke before, but my dad was a gamekeeper on Isla. So when um, when I was two, we moved from, uh, well, where was he? He was either in Leeds or Lincolnshire, maybe Gainsborough. That's where I was born, but he might have been in Leeds at that point. But anyway, we moved to Isla for a job. He was head keeper on the Isla Estates from about ooh, 1971 until he retired. And so, yeah, and, and my dad passed away a few years ago and was still on Isla. He loved it. Oh my gosh, he was in his element. But um, yeah, so... I really should be speaking with more of an Isla accent, but I don't, I haven't really, I never really had it. But if I go back, it'll come back a wee bit. I'll say things like caravan, post office and, you know, Land Rover and all that. And it's so lovely to go back. And my best friend from school, I'm going to name proper Heather, uh, Heather Bald, she's there and we're still in touch a lot. And um, yeah, I hope to go back and some point yeah it's better i wouldn't go back now though because they've got it's pure stormy out there it's very windy it is it's <laughs> starting to build up here in east Bride yeah, just now i've got blue skies but the wind is starting to to rattle yeah. the window so i'll be closing that shortly you'll be feeling that yeah absolutely yeah batten yeah. down the trampolines or whatever you've got <laughs> uh, we've got a ladder got a ladder beside oh. my shed so i will definitely yeah. get that started <laughs> so that's my, my connection to isla yeah, yeah yeah it must have been fascinating Growing up in that environment, you're with, with your guns around and and sh- you're shooting and such like, and just that whole lifestyle. No. See, when you're a kid, it's really not all you. When you're a kid and you're growing up and you watch, you know, telly and Duran Duran are on, you just think, oh man, why am I living here and all I've got is the woods and Lincoln pheasants and <laughs> you. You're not in any way appreciative when you're, a, especially when you're a teenager. All you want to do is get away. It's only when you've left and then when you go back, you see the real beauty of it all. You know, you really can appreciate then the, you know, the, the views and the hills and, and the paps of Jura. And sadly, I still don't appreciate the whiskey because there's about seven distilleries there, I know. But but when you're a kid uh, and a teenager, for me anyway, I was just wanted to get away. And that's really sad, isn't it? <laughs> Not but at all. Looking back now, I think it was only a good thing for me to grow up there. I felt very safe and... And it, and it was so healthy, you know, fresh air. And yeah, you're right, growing up around guns, you know, we had a gun room. I mean, that's just so strange when you say it now. In the UK, we had a gun room, but we had a gun room, you know. Mm-hmm. But that was just normal. It was normal. Yeah. My dad was a gamekeeper. Yeah. Yeah. Where did you do your acting training? 
oh, this is like a total trip down memory lane. People be switching off their droves, oh gosh. <laughs> when I was 17, I think, when I was at high school, I did the whole chat with the careers advisor and I'm pretty sure they said for me, drama, are you sure you don't want to get catering? Because I think that was the thing they were trying to, obviously, for us to get jobs. And I was like, no, I want to be an actress. And I was a goth, I had massive hair and I don't know what I was thinking, but they were looking at me going, what are you going <laughs> to... What are you going to be playing? And um, so I went, my dad, I think, drove me to an audition at Kirkcaldy College of Technology. And I went for that in about 1987, I think. And I got in there and we did one year. And then I wanted to go to Royal Scottish, but they, they would never take me. They'd always take me to the very last audition and put me on a waiting list, but they wouldn't take me. So then I worked in a bookshop in Paisley for four years. And then I think I got into Royal Scottish at the fourth attempt or third because somebody dropped out. <laughs> so. They rang me a week before at the bookshop because, you know, no mobile phones. I went, oh, someone's dropped out. Do you want to come? I was like, yes, yes. So that was, yeah, that was about 1992. So I was a bit of a late starter. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have any contemporaries who've gone on to be of note? Yes, yes. So Billy Boyd, Lord of the Rings, was in my year. Des Hamilton, who is now an actual BAFTA award-winning casting director. He cast Top Boy and all of that. He was in my year as well. Um, and then there's Scottish actors who've gone on uh, to, to be like Billy Mack. I don't know if you know him. He's I do. A, oh, stunning actor. I, mean, we'd a re- I feel we had such a strong year for actors and a strong year for real personalities and uh, there was a lot of drama <laughs> but I, you know I was very grateful to be in that year there was some yeah I, I loved every second of it because I was so desperate to get in I just lapped it up you know oh that's fantastic Tracy it's been an absolute right. pleasure to chat and no thank problem. you so much for joining us in the podcast no you're very welcome and it was lovely to chat to you too huge thanks to Tracy for her time which I have to say was a real pleasure Somebody I hadn't actually spoken to before, but we got on like a house on fire, as you can hear. And yes, I had a lot of fun. That interview was actually done for my work podcast at Scottish Field, but I thought it was so much fun, you lot deserve to get the whole shebang. And the Scottish Field version, which will be in a different order with different bits, will be released next week. If you're interested in fits and starts, which sounds amazing, as I've just listened to the binaural trailer, you can find out more at www.almost-tangible.com. Dot com forward slash fits f-i-t-s hyphen and written out in full a-n-d hyphen starts so that's www.almost-tangible.com forward slash fits hyphen and hyphen starts and you can also follow tracy on twitter at tracy wiles t-r-a-c-y-w-i-l-e-s talking of all things online you can follow scottish field on our social media you can find us on Twitter at www.twitter.com forward slash Scottishfield. We have a Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash Scottishfield. Or you can see our Instagram page at www.instagram.com forward slash Scottishfieldmag with M-A-G at the end. And of course you can pop by our website www.scottishfield.co.uk which contains unique content that you won't find in the print magazine, as well as links to purchase the magazine online in physical and digital formats. That's all we've got time for this week, but we'll be back very soon with another episode of the Scottish Field Podcast. Be seeing you!